Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Did you tell them who had shot you? No. Why not? Because I didn't, I didn't want to tell. I, that's not the route I wanted to take. What do you mean by that's not the route you wanted to take? I didn't. I didn't want to tell on Mr. Hernandez. I didn't want to inform him that he shot me. <clears throat> what route did you intend to take? I wanted revenge. Hi, everyone. Hello. In quarantine. Enjoy your quarantine, brought to you by Age of Radio and Color Me Dead. <laughs> we are here to be the voices of your quarantine. If we get bored enough, we might have an episode coming out every single day. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> Depends. In about two weeks. I think I have two weeks worth of shit to catch up on here at home. And then after that, we'll see. With homeschool, I think that that will take longer. Well, we'll see how uh, we'll see how this actually goes. Like, yeah. for all we know, they could put us on, like, martial law. Yeah. Don't know yet. Don't know. But in the meantime, if you want to check us out at ageofradio.org slash dead, you can go there, shop the bazaar, check out all of our episodes, donate to our Patreon. <laughs> Where yeah. you will find all of our episodes as well as Sosodes for anything from a dollar up. Um, Sosodes are a little behind right now, but I've got plenty that will be coming your way. So if you're bored and you're a Patreon, you will be unbored soon. And you want and you want a, a Sosode. You'll be unbored soon. Unbored. Unbored. Um, you can go get our merch at colormedeadpod.threadless.com. If you don't want to be a monthly Patreon subscriber, you can just get some of our shit from there. And it's cool shit. And there's all kinds of shit, including like a, a skateboard. A if skateboard you would like deck. a skateboard. And if you want to send shit, you can send that to Color Me Dead Podcast, P.O. Box 1610, Vernal, Utah, 84078. Please don't send us the coronavirus. Yes, please do not. Um, if anything that you send us came from a contagion zone, we will happily send it back. Uh, <laughs> if you guys want to follow us on social media, you can do Color Me Dead Pod on Twitter. We are on Instagram at Gory underscore Nikki and Color Me Dead Angel, as well as the Color Me Dead Podcast. Of course, find us on Facebook at the Color Me Dead Podcast and the group page. The group page is amazing for memes. And just to get to know the other fucked up listeners. Other listeners. <laughs> All right. So when we last left you, Aaron was getting arrested. I think we left right at the arrested point. One of the most famous shots was him of him getting arrested and escorted out of his house, which is on the front of the book that I used for the, these episodes. He was wearing red basketball shorts, and they had apparently handcuffed him before he they put the t-shirt on him. And so they just pulled this white V-neck t-shirt over him and the sleeves were like flapping because his hands were, you know, handcuffed in the back. This would become something famous all by itself over the next few weeks. It was called Hernandezing. <laughs> <laughs> People were putting their hands behind their back and putting a shirt over it and posting pics of themselves like that, like on their social media. <laughs> it was sort of a protest to like free Hernandez. He is innocent. They didn't believe he was guilty, and, and that was that was what they were doing, their part, Free Hernandez. So, <clears throat> most importantly, more importantly, not most importantly, more importantly, about 90 minutes after he was arrested, uh, he was cut from 
the Patriots. They were like, well, no. They don't even, he gets an hour and a half. You don't even get two hours to get cut. You got fucking fired. <laughs> You're like, nah. <laughs> nah, no, no. You're fired. You're fucking fired. That was a really shitty day for him. Here's the statement the Patriots put out right after his arrest. A young man was murdered this week, and we extend our sympathies to the family and friends who mourn his loss. Words cannot express the disappointment we feel knowing that one of your one of your players was arrested as a result of this investigation. Well, a man named Wesley Lowry, who was a 23-year-old reporter for the Boston Globe, saw news of the arrest on Twitter. He found out that Aaron was going to be arraigned in North Attleboro, so he got in his car and headed that way. He decided to go inside the building because the outside was covered with press, as you could imagine. And he made this executive decision to go inside and wait instead of trying to get a picture of him on the outside, which was the right choice because he had a front row seat for the arraignment. Aaron was still dressed in what he had worn when he got arrested. He had absolutely no emotion when the charges against him were read. Six charges in all, five for firearms and one for murder. They started to lay out the evidence against him. The text sent from Odin Lloyd at 3.23 a.m. and the surveillance video of the car leaving the clearance that we talked about on the last episode. Also, the surveillance video from inside Aaron's house showing him holding up a gun, or at least what appears to be a gun. They also went through a series of texts between Odin and Aaron. Lowry was sending tweeting updates, excuse me, was tweeting updates from the courtroom. He was the only reporter with access. He tweeted all the way through. He said that, isn't that about some shit? Right? Just He's gonna just tweet. sitting there You don't even need to watch the news. You just tweet. No, and I do that a lot, actually. And that if was, you want to know something about some shit, get on Twitter. And that's his job. That was his job, just to tweet, tweet away about what's going on with Aaron. And he did. He said that the overall feeling there was disbelief. People could not believe that Aaron Hernandez was actually being tried for murder. Through the entire thing, Aaron was stone-faced. He was actually totally normal, like he was supposed to be there. Just mm. what was? Remember that 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 old book, Stone Fox. He was the Native American like sled runner, and he just had that mm-hmm. like emotionless yeah. face. That is Aaron Hernandez. It is. Aaron was hauled into the Bristol County House of Correction in Dartmouth in a white in a white and gold van, followed by a canine unit. When they got there, he was assisted out of the van and led inside. Once he got in, his ankle and wrist restraints were removed. He was told to stand with his back towards the wall and then sit. On a metal detecting chair that they called Boss Check. (laughs) This was supposed to check him for anything shoved up his butthole. After that was a body scanner. Um, I would also like one of these Boss Checkers so that I never ever have to do a uh, strip search at work ever again. It's wildly uncomfortable. Let's let's petition. If you'd like to go to change.org to get Angel's <laughs> boss check, <laughs> go ahead and start a petition. When all of that was completed, he met with Sheriff Thomas Hodg- Hodgson. Excuse me, Hodgson. He introduced himself and told him that there were going to be some things that they wanted to let him know. First of all, you're not going to be treated any better or any worse than anybody else here. Number two, we have rules here and you are to follow the rules. If somebody in the if somebody's in the area where you are that does not belong in there, you need to notify the staff or the supervisor on duty. The sheriff was trying to make sure that the staff wasn't hanging out and that he wasn't using his celebrity status to manipulate the staff and get special treatment. What? Uh, well, do you think he would do that? 
<clears throat> perhaps <laughs> he was told that when he <clears throat> excuse me that he would be held there by special management in the medical unit for two weeks he was going from a 7,000 square foot home to a 70 square foot room that's it's that's gonna a, be a it's gonna be a damper dampener on your spirits it's like having your whole house to having a shitter. And not like his shitter, like one of their spare shitters no, in that's, their house. No, that's the half bath in the yeah. kitchen so you can wash <laughs> your hands. Yep. Well, and they wanted to keep an extra eye on him because this was such a huge change and there was so much going on for him. After that talk with the sheriff and a few questions, he was sent for a mental health interview that showed nothing abnormal. I, okay. Mary. Next stop was the property room. He stripped down and handed over his clothes. He was issued his prison outfit, which was two pairs of socks and underwear, a t-shirt, a jumpsuit, and a set of shoes. He also received a care kit that had a sample size of deodorant and toothbrush and a tube of toothpaste and a bottle of the three-in-one wash. This is there for this is for your this is for your balls, your face, your ass, everything. Sample size too. So an Aaron <laughs> Hernandez size, that's one wash. What do we got for the rest of the week? <laughs> and I wonder what like if he used all kinds of special shit at home if he was like that kind one of, of those dude. bougie guys yeah. that had like wrinkle cream, face wash, right. ball wash, nipple wash. And now he's a, a wash rag one. for your ass, a different one for your balls, a different one for which you should always use a different wash rag for your face and your ass. That's like a given. Well, yeah. I mean, do you want pink eye? Because that's how you get fucking that's pink eye. That's how you get pink eye. He was then taken to his temporary room down medical hallway. He was taken to cell number one, Sector C Health Services. There was a metal bed welded to the floor with a spot for restraints on the headboard. And a thin blue mattress. There was a camera. Actually, I don't know if the restraints were in the headboard. I think that that's what was just in my mind of what it was. I was going to say were. that sounds a little kink. Yeah, I was like, me. maybe I, maybe my mind was maybe that's what Nikki had when I was writing it. <laughs> woo woo! <laughs> I'm going to restrain you, sir. Um, no. We've got a camera over here for if we have to put them their cuffs on you, sir. <laughs> right? There was a camera in the upper left corner, so it sounds like a room that I'm down with. <laughs> this sounds like something we should try. I think the restraints were by the side. <laughs> they were likely Just... on the side of the bed, you know, like they have them in normal everyday yeah. hospital beds. But Nikki would like them above her head where she can choke herself in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> Let me have my fantasies here, okay? There was also, like, the little sink and toilet in the corner by the door because, you know, we got to have that all in one room. That that can be removed from my fantasy of the sink and toilet. I don't need it. Sink, fine. <clears throat> yes. Toilet, no. <clears throat> the next day, Thursday, June 27th, he was taken to the Bristol County Courthouse in Fall River for his bail hearing. Bristol County DA Bill McCauley talked about the argument that Aaron and Odin had, but also admitted that they didn't have a murder weapon yet. They believed it to be a 45 Glock. They did recover a clip of 45 ammo from Aaron's Humvee, which I think that armored car that we were talking about that said it was a Ford Explorer, I'm pretty sure it was a Humvee. I think that that was a misprint in the book, but I don't know. I don't know. And they also found 45 bullets in the apartment in Franklin. They said that um, they had a picture that had surfaced of Aaron holding a Glock 45. 
And you'll find out where that came from here just in a little bit. James Sultan, one of Aaron's lawyers, said that Aaron had no criminal record. He mentioned that he had a home, a fiancé, and an infant daughter. He was arguing that his celebrity status would make it hard for him to just take off. He said the case against him was weak. There was no eyewitnesses, and the evidence was circumstantial. James said that Aaron would post a large cash bail and agree to house arrest with a GPS ankle monitor. I can only imagine what the judge was thinking at this point. Like, really? Fucking really? On first-degree murder, you want bail. Mm-hmm. Judge Renee Dupuis. 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 Rene Dupuis. It's French. Rene Dupuis wasn't having it. Bail for first degree murder cases was not something that happened. She also stated that the circumstantial evidence was very strong. She even stated that Aaron obviously didn't adhere to so to like social rules, societal rules. She didn't think that he would follow the rules at all if he was let out, and she was probably completely right. <laughs> His bail was denied. Shiana burst into tears, but Aaron had no emotion. No motions. No motions whatsoever. Not so, none, none whatsoever. That evening, a wanted poster was issued for Ernest Bo Wallace. The poster said that he was wanted for an accessory after the fact for the murder of Odin Lloyd in North Attleboro. Wallace is considered armed and dangerous and was last seen operating a silver gray Chrysler 300. And then it listed the information that was available for the license plate. What they didn't know was that Bo had left a car outside of a housing complex in Bristol and nobody in Massachusetts had seen him because he was in Florida at his mother's house. He'd gotten a ride from T.L. Singleton's aunt, Una Richton. She was already planning on going to Georgia to visit her grandkids, but Tanya had talked her into going a week early and taking Bo along. Eunice's car broke down in North Carolina, so her daughter drove eight hours to get them and took them back to Georgia. When they got there, Tanya gave Bo a new cell phone and a credit card for a bus ticket to his mom's house in Florida. He obviously wasn't trying too hard to stay hidden because he was seen swimming in his mother's pool. Hideout. I mean, <laughs> Way it's to hide out, bud. It's fucking hot, all right? <laughs> <clears throat> After all of that, on June 28th, he walked into the police station and told cops he wanted to talk. His attorney advised him not to do this, but he did it anyway. It was a bit of a shocker to the neighbor lady that thought that his name had been George, and a real shocker was when the police were showing her of a video of him being arraigned in Florida. <laughs> Odin's... Right? I don't that's know why not, that's... Hey, that's George. That's George. Why are you calling him Bo? Because they went to her house and were like, hey, have you? do you know this guy? Has he been here? And she's like, um, it's George. No, ma'am, that's not George. No, ma'am, that is not. Well, Odin's funeral was held June 29th. His mother, Ursula, wore the same outfit that she had worn the last day that she had seen him alive, which was Father's Day. He had gone over to tell her Happy Father's Day. She was dressed and ready for church, and he said to her, Mom, you look so beautiful today. I love those colors on you. Odin's friends and teammates wore jerseys and colors of his football team, the Bandits. Evidently, the week was packed with events because the next day, T.L. Singleton drove his car off a road in Farmington, Connecticut. He flew through the air for 100 feet, crashed into the side of a Farmington country club, and then was launched six feet into the air. Just so y'all know, T.L. died in this accident. What? Um, I believe his he was lodged like... 
in the side of this building. I don't know if he himself, like, but I think the car was. Yeah, like the way that it was worded. Yeah. Said that it was lodged six feet off the ground. But his 27-year-old ex-girlfriend and mother of one of his children was in the passenger seat. She survived the crash but died later that year from an accidental overdose. Yeah, that had to be hard on her to see. Like, I wondered, I kind of wondered if if it had to do with that, if she was self-medicating or... Perhaps. Or if it was just like an accidental, you know, freak Or or maybe, maybe she was actually prescribed opioids and other, like, nerve... Um, calming medicines like gabapentin and stuff after the accident. Yeah. You don't go flying through the air off a road a hundred feet into the side of something and not sustain some sort of injury. So perhaps it was like recreational gone wrong and perhaps it was actually like medicine that she was supposed to be taking for injuries she sustained. I don't know. Mm. Well, hard to say. Yeah, it is. TL's toxicology report showed that he had cocaine, PCP, oxycodone and alcohol in his system at the time Fuck, of his death. way to go out with a bang for real if that's how you're gonna go go like that because being lodged into that building probably was fucking nothing to him he's like woo. on july 6th the patriots told the fans that fans that bought hernandez's jerseys that they could swap them out by 5 p.m 1200 jerseys had been exchanged the jerseys were all burned he had been dropped from Puma and Cytosport, which is the maker of Muscle Milk. Mm, EA uh-huh. Sports removed him from their video games, which were the Madden games, I think. And Panini America took him out of their sticker books and replaced his trading cards with Tim Tebow cards. The University of Florida also took his name off the stadium, which was like really big on there. Like they had to do it was a whole thing to get that down. On July 16th, Sheriff Hodge. I don't know how to say his damn name. Sheriff Hodge- Hodgson Hodgson held a press conference to talk about Aaron. He said, quote, Hernandez is locked in a 7 by 10 foot cell for 21 hours a day. The rest of his time is spent in the exercise yard making collect phone calls or taking a hot shower. He doesn't have any physical contact with the other inmates, but that's mostly for his own safety. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Reporters got a tour of the special management unit where he was being held. The sheriff told them that, were, that they were assessing how the inmates are reacting to him in the smaller unit. He explained that Aaron was denied time with the other inmates for his own safety. He was allowed outside for one hour a day alone. He worked out while he was outside in that and with what little bit of room he had. So it was just him. With all the barbed wire and everything, and um, a guard of sorts were, was usually out Short. there with him. Another reason he wasn't allowed in Gen Pop is because they wanted to see if he really did have gang ties to the Bloods, like he had been rumored mm. to have. Gang investigators interviewed him, and after the interview, they said that they thought that he was tied to the Bloods, but weren't completely sure. The sheriff was a very skilled interrogator. He decided to have a little chat with Aaron. During that chat, um, it started out casual, and he said he wanted to talk to Aaron about his tattoos. The first thing Aaron said was, oh, no, it's not the Bloods. (laughs) He said it was a gang in Bristol. Aaron then asked the sheriff, he's like, hey, sheriff, can I ask you a question? And sheriff's like, yeah, 
And he's like, did you wear those shorts in here to get me to relax? <laughs> Sheriff, what are you, an idiot? I'm on my day off. You think I'm going to get dressed up in a suit and tie to come down here to talk to you? You've got to be shitting me. Aaron laughed when he said that. <laughs> I like how he's like, you, you do that special for me? No, fuck what no. I did it special for me. It's my day off and I'm not going to get dressed up for you. Uh, my favorite was um, I had actually gone in for a staff meeting and I did not get dressed for the staff meeting. I barely brushed my teeth. I didn't do my <laughs> hair, my makeup, whatever. I show up there and some of the youth that were there were like, wow, you look horrible. Really? And I was Thank like, you. Uh, I did the thing from uh, Sword in the Stone. I'm an old, ugly creep. Uh-huh. I don't get mim. Med madam mim. I don't get dressed for you guys. Mm-mm. Suck it. Aaron proceeded to tell him that he was amazing at reading people. The sheriff responded by telling him that there are three different types of key motivations in people. Kinesthetic, auditory, and visual. He explained the difference between them. Aaron was impressed. He also told him a little pointer about overcoming his behaviors. So he told him that he's like, so say you want to lose some weight, right? So what you're going to do... Um, if you go by the Burger King, and this is just off memory, this is not exactly, so you get the point. He's like, you go past the Burger King and you want to get a big burger and fries. And so you do when you eat it, then you feel really bad about yourself. And so what you do in the future is you put a picture of how you looked when you were 20 pounds lighter or whatever you whatever weight you want to get to. And you put it in your visor. And anytime you feel like you need to go get that food again, you pull down the picture on the visor and you look at it, and then that will keep you from wanting to go eat. Clearly, the sheriff <laughs> doesn't have weight problems. Well, the sheriff might need to come um, advise me and help me out because Angel has not been um, as strict with her keto as she should. Um, and I haven't really gained any weight, but I haven't lost any weight. But I also found some Oreos and some sourdough bread that I promptly ate the shit out of. So the ongoing joke in my house is, if we really do get smashed into a 30-day quarantine, I'm either going to lose 50 pounds or gain 75. I haven't decided which sounds best. I think you'll probably gain a little first, and then you'll lose some because you ate all the fucking food. Well, um, (laughs) Aaron learned a little bit about impulse control from him, but I don't think it did much good. However, Aaron did earn a little bit more respect for him. While in jail, Aaron wrote a lot of letters, read a lot of books, and he worked out a lot. Funny thing is, he loved James Patterson novels. 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 Which is funny, because that's who wrote this book. Who wrote this here book. That's funny. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's nice. He also wrote this book. Uh, He also loved Harry Potter. Hey. He was asking on the Netflix docu-series, mm-hmm. there's that cute little part where he's like, hey, I need, to, I need you to get me something. And she's like irritated. She's like, what, Aaron? What do you need now? He's like, some books. <laughs> she's like, what books do you want? He's like, Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kind of cute. I know. I love that part. Hey, I was like, God damn it. Why do you have to be cute? Why are you so cute? I know. If, if He really is, too. Well, was. was. I don't know. It, well, I, I found him. I personally simplify. I, I found him to be an attractive person. This his body is goddamn amazing. Well, I think his face was too. I love this picture that's on the Jose Baez book. But I watched so many things and read so many things about him that his attitude pisses me off. So I can't see it like that anymore. Well, it's kind of like um, 
So we're going to take a minute and we're going to read a few of the letters that he wrote. Okay. This first letter is to Tanya from, from jail. It was on July 12, 2013. Aaron says, hey, watch what you say. The phone is recorded. What are you up to? She says, I know, I know. Hi, honey. He says, you got my letter? She says, yeah, I did. Uh, I, of course I did. I got you one. You got a card. I got you a card and a letter. He said, watch what you write. They read that shit. Hmm. That is, nothing calls you guilty or more. You know what I'm trying to say here. Right. Mm-hmm. She says, I, no, no. Like, I, like, I don't know that. <clears throat> he said, well, I got to get going. I probably, I will probably call you um, probably like once a week or something like that. And she says, yeah, that's perfect. He says, yeah. And. I'll also help you out with that, too. Obviously, don't say nothing, but I love you. She says, I know, I'm not saying nothing. I love you so much. Like, I wonder what the hell they're talking about there. I want to know. Can somebody please fill me in, even though they're both dead now? Right. July 28th, 2013. This is a phone call between Tanya Singleton and Ernest Wallace. And... All of these are, are Bo Wallace. All of these are recorded. I don't understand why they, whatever. Tanya says, um, I'm going back up there Thursday. Bo says, what, to go visit? She says, no, I have to be up there in front of the grand jury or whatever because they're fucking dumb. But I got a good lawyer. Bo says, wait up, wait up, wait up. You got to go to court for what? Tanya says, they subpoenaed me to go in front of the grand jury and I got a lawyer. That's what I got. Uh, a real nice lawyer. A good lawyer from over there. And Wallace says, yeah, my nigga. And she says, yup. And he says, my nigga got you with that? And she says, you already know. And well, and he says, all right, say no more. Okay, I don't want to be cruel or unkind or anything, but it's like they literally just communicated in the simplest form possible. I'm kind of impressed. Right. I'm very impressed that they, like I would be so lost. This is like me with Snapchat. I can't, I can't do this yeah, shit. No, dude. Mm-mm. I would not under that conversation. Again, I'd be like, like, wait, what are you talking about? Do you know how many times you and I have been in a crowded place and we look at each other and right. literally no words are spoken and we both just nod like motherfucker. Yeah. So maybe I, this could it's possibly. Got, you just got to be. You just got to be tight with that person. They, they tight. So on August first, this is a. Phone call between Tanya and, or not Tanya, sorry, Shayana and Aaron. Shayana says, um, Tanya's in jail. Aaron says, Tanya? And she says, yes. He says, for what? She says, I don't know. Yep, she's, she's in jail. She got arrested today. And he said, they picked her up by her house. And she said, no, she went for, she was, I don't know. You probably should talk to your lawyer about it. So she knows something right there. To me, she knows something. And we'll talk about what she knows here in a little bit. Um, And he said, oh. And she said, but she told me to tell you that she's going to be just fine and to keep your head up and to know that she loves you. He said, oh, my God, let me call you right back. (laughs) So 15 minutes later, he calls her back. And he says, hey. She says, hey, yeah. And he says, I knew about... And she says, huh? And he says, I knew about that. I thought it was. And then you can't tell what he says right there. And Shayana says, I'm just letting you know. Hernandez says, they just being asses about it, but they get, 
they got to go out of their way to be assholes. And like the longest she'll do is like probably less than a month or a month in the grand or a, or a month until the grand jury is done in investigation. You know what I mean? The only good thing about Tanya, about Tanya being locked up is she's going to lose weight. What a fucking dick. See, reasons why reasons. I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would probably say the same thing about myself. I'd be like, well, at least I'll lose a little bit of weight. Well. <laughs> okay, and now I want to add in a clip of a conversation between Aaron and his mom because I want you to hear the tone that he uses with her, the things that he's saying, and how like hurt he is by what he's saying. So here's that clip. You made decisions that there's, you don't, like, that are the worst. I don't put you down, and you fucked my whole life up. Oh, you don't put me down, but I fucked your whole life up. I ain't living with that. You did. It is, but I forgave you, and it's over with. Yes, you did. I was the happiest fucking little kid in the world, and you fucked me up. And I just lost my father, and I had to go to college, and I had nobody. What the fuck do you think I was going to do? Become a perfect angel? It's, oh, my God. If I was with you right now, I would have probably punched the shit out of you. Like, I don't even know why yeah, you then- you bring me to this level. Let's shift gears to Tanya Singleton and the shit show her life was becoming as well. Her husband had died. She found out that she that her breast cancer had spread to the other organs in her body. And on top of that, she was being held in contempt for refusing to testify before Aaron's grand jury. And that's what they were talking about in that phone conversation. In the in the phone conversation, oh, yes. um, which I at that particular juncture, I would just go back to bed and like go to sleep and not want to wake up. Mm-hmm. Uh, prosecutors knew that she had been that she had taken Bo to Georgia, got him a bus ticket to Florida. They knew that she had offered to fly Carlos Ortiz to Puerto Rico. They offered her immunity in exchange for her testimony, but she didn't care about immunity. I think her thoughts were like, I'm going to die anyway. Well, that kind of would be mine if, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to me? I have fucking cancer all over my body. Mm -hmm. So at this particular juncture, really, what could you possibly threaten me with besides a cure (laughs) that I'm going to give a fuck about, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Aaron had something that she was way more interested in. He had told her that he'd set up a trust fund with $100,000 in it for Tanya's kids. Assistant DA Patrick Bomberg said that he didn't set up an account, but apparently Aaron's word was good enough for Tanya because she kept her mouth shut. He told her it was like something that was going to double every seven years or whatever, and it was for her two kids, and they were supposed to split it. Like, she didn't even look into it. She was like, okay, sweet, thanks. No information to the account. But still, like, here's the thing, though. Whether whether that was, like, accurate or not, like, if if he had, awesome. But if he didn't, oh, well. Because there wasn't anything there anyway. And all she would do, like, in the meet, like, it didn't really matter if she... If they if they offered her immunity, you're gonna die regardless. Like, where I guess maybe if she had done some tattling then maybe she would have been able to spend more time with her family. I don't know. I think she's got a case of the fuckets. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, now, Aaron was getting a lot of fan mail and answered some of it, but always told people to keep it to themselves and not sell it to the press. 
Right. In a letter that was sold to Radar Online that was published August 19th, he was telling the fan to stay away from negative people. He was telling the fan to stay away from negative people. He was talking about how he had to hear his daughter say dada over the jail phone. He also said, I'm a great dude. Don't believe all the negative publicity, please. Media is the negative is negative fame. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm a good person. This is why I'm in jail. I'm a good person. And telling him, yeah, telling him stay away from bad people because you don't want to hear your kids, you know, first words from jail. Like, whatever, dude. Three days later, which was August 22nd, he was formally indicted for murder. On August 27th, he submitted a hot UA. It was positive for Neurontin. This is a prescription drug known to cause aggressive behavior and suicidal thoughts. So I looked into this drug just a little bit more because I was like, what the fuck is that? It's gabapentin. So he's getting gabapentin somehow in jail. Uh, hmm. It's an anti-epileptic drug also used for neuropathy and like yeah. to kill your nerves for pain. And They actually, um, I've been prescribed gabapentin for... A series of nerve issues. Yeah, they give it to a lot of uh, autoimmune people, I've noticed. On my lupus support group pages, there's a lot of people on there on gabapentin. So it's that kind of thing. But there's a lot of side effects that go with it. Like the aggressive behavior and suicidal thoughts. There's also memory loss and like dizziness. There's, There's a lot of side effects to this drug that he is taking recreationally. The next day, Rolling Stone published a story saying that Aaron was a habitual user of PCP. What? This could explain the hyperaggression and violent behavior. The article also said that friends of his um, that didn't want to be named said that Aaron used angel dust. He was part of a gang and was convinced his life was always in danger, and that's why he always carried a gun. Let's take a moment to re-eval here. <laughs> All right, tell me. What? He's got the CTE. He <laughs> smokes the weed. He does the PCP. He does... The, is Angel Dust and PCP the same thing? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, also known as Angel Dust, okay. PCP. So he's doing all of these drugs with a brain injury and... He's not even 26 yet. His brain, he's 20. Shit, he died when he was 23, didn't he? Yeah. Or did, was that when he got arrested? Um, whatever. But he was still 20 something. And he, I can't remember what year it is at the time that we're talking about right now, but he is doing all of that. He's ruining his brain. He's playing football. He's, his brain just isn't there. He does not have a normal functioning brain due to all of this shit. And he's always on like a cocktail of drugs at all times. Not even like, not even a small or like what we consider like playtime drugs. Yeah. No, he's on some serious shit. At all times. Like I quit taking gabapentin because I didn't like the way it made me feel. Because it did make me pretty cranky and irritable. And then things like PCP. Dude. Yeah. I don't know if he like was doing You're not doing even those... playing with, like, fun shit anymore. No. No. And it's it's just insane. And, uh Anyway. <clears throat> the day after that, the NFL reached a $765 million brain injury settlement with 18,000 retired players. These stories were probably the least of his worries, though. The ones that were just getting 
you know, outed by by uh, Rolling Stone because the Boston police were now looking into the double murder a little bit more. Let's bounce back to June 21st, a few days after Odin was murdered. A woman named Jaylene Diaz Ramos was in a four-car collision in Springfield, Massachusetts. She was taken to the hospital and her car was searched because apparently that's mandatory when you get in a wreck, they search your car. Okay. That's what it said in the book. I've never... I, I don't um, know. I don't recall the police ever searching my vehicles when I was in a car accident, unless um, she got in a car accident and there was probable cause. Yeah, they might have had reason to believe that they needed to search this some bitch. Right. In the search, a Smith and Wesson revolver, which was a thirty-eight, and yes, it was a revolver. The thirty-eight is a revolver. Just Brrr. for the note, <laughs> to note that from last time was a revolver. I just want everybody to know <laughs> there was a cowboy gun involved. I'm not completely <laughs> wrong. <laughs> there was a shootout at the OK Crowd. Exactly. Somebody got hit in the knee. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but this gun was found in the trunk. She had quite a long list of things that she had busted for in the past, like she'd been busted for in the past, and now they were adding possession of a firearm without a license to it. She told them that it belonged to a football player named Chicago, a.k.a. John Alcorn, and he had just left it in her car. Apparently, he was T.L. Singleton's cousin. The plot is getting ready to thicken now. Because this gun is actually the murder weapon for the double murder. What? Someone has put flour or cornstarch in this gravy to thicken it. (laughs) (laughs) You're ridiculous. Dad jokes. The day after that, there was a call that started out as an anonymous phone call, but later it was identified as... Sharif Hashem, who was a bouncer at Rumor. He told them about the silver SUV with the Rhode Island plates and said it was connected with the Odin Lloyd murder. The dispatch asked him how he knew this, and he said someone had spilled the beans in front of him. On June 26th, the famous SUV was recovered at Tanya's house. So Brian Riley told me that he remembers Tito cleaning out the garage to get ready for this SUV to put it in. Like, he had to get it ready to put the sumbitch in there. Oh, wow. And... If I remember right, because I had this conversation with Brian a long fucking time ago. Uh, He remembers the police recovering it. And he said in the video on the Netflix docuseries, you can sort of see his old house because it was right fucking there. Goodness. That he saw them taking out that car. All right. Well, when the police got into the house... Got to the house, they were actually having a house party. More like a family cookout, but Detective Peter Dauphineus knew Tito and told him that they had a search warrant. In the search, they found a pic of Aaron, a selfie that he had taken with the Glock. They went into the garage that had all of the windows painted and saw the SUV in there. They asked Gina whose car it was. And if Gina's Tan- Tanya's sister, if you don't remember. Right. Gina told them that Aaron had left it there a year earlier and that nobody had driven it since. It it matched the surveillance video from the night of of the double murder. During their search, they also found some 38 ammo, a bag full of clothes that Aaron had been wearing that night. The, the story was soon in the headlines. So that's where they got the picture of him with the Glock because it was like a selfie right. that he had taken and it was just chilling out at, at Tanya's house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're going to jump again to February 25th, 2014. Time machine. Right back. Yes. 
Aaron had apparently been known to beat his chest and say, <laughs> I'm like that truck. Tough. I'm built for this shit. Because he was always trying to prove how tough he was. To prove just how tough he was, he left his cell that was unlocked and walked up to a corrections officer, Kevin Sosa, who was escorting a shackled inmate. Aaron had a big smile on his face. Kevin told him to go back to his cell, but instead he took Excuse me. But instead, he punched the shackled inmate in the face. A code blue was called, and Aaron looked at the other inmate and said, Go ahead. Run your mouth now. Apparently, this was all stemming from a small little shit-talking session that they had had um, back <laughs> before, where the inmate called Aaron a bitch and said that he still looked good enough to fuck his girl. I still look good enough to fuck your girl. Well, yeah, right. The inmate wouldn't press charges and said that he would never, never testify. But Aaron did end up being charged with assault and battery. And he got two weeks of solitary confinement because of this. Jesus. A statement put out by Sheriff Hodgson. <laughs> that where that name is fucking with me, but you know who I'm talking about. Said, we're so worried about protecting him. Or we were so worried about protecting him that we never thought he would be the aggressor. However, they did know he would be. When they searched his cell and went through his mail, they found something that said M.O.B. on it. Aaron said that meant money over bitches. But they told him that in prison it meant member of bloods. He flipped the fuck out when they said that to him. He asked them what they would do if he didn't give up. <laughs> okay. I think he had it in his hand. Right. So he's like, what do you what do you do if I don't give this back to you? And they said they'll give him a disciplinary report. He told them that he would eat the motherfucker if they did give him one. Well, he ended up getting one and he did, in fact, eat it. He did, in fact, eat that motherfucker. <laughs> he motherfuckily ate it. He ate it like Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> oh, my. That made me laugh so hard. Like, what would you do? Like... Here's your disciplinary action, bitch. <laughs> I'd be like, where am I right now? Is this happening? Right. Is this really happening? Okay. Okay. Another time he was put on disciplinary detention and he somehow managed to get a care patch. Yeah. A care package delivered to him from commissary. Mm -hmm. There were cakes, breakfast bars, and two dozen honey buns. Uh-huh. The next day, Major James Lancaster, who was a corrections officer, went to his cell asking about it because he wasn't supposed to order food in detention. Right. Aaron told him that he knew he would be coming for him, so he had eaten all but four honey buns and kept the wrappers to show that he didn't share with other inmates. Look at all this shit I ate. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> like, he knew that he wasn't supposed to get that order, but somehow it slipped through the cracks and he got it. And... Yeah, he's like, I'm going to fucking eat it all right now so like, they can't take it away. Suck my dick straight to the hilt with, you know what? Like, I'm surprised he wasn't standing there stark naked with a heart on and a honey bun just like on his ding dong. He probably was. They might have just left that out. You well, the last, that's how I see this going down. You want the last honey bun major? With like honey bun wrappers just stuck all over his naked body. That's how it <laughs> on happened. his chest. Yeah, I like your version much better. <clears throat> Just saying. The officer took those last four honey buns, but Aaron begged for it, begged to be able to keep them <laughs> because he was so hungry. He's like, come on, can I keep them? I'm so hungry. And the officer said, no, of course you're hungry. You just ate so many carbs. You probably burned through those with his metabolism. For real, probably dude. probably burned through those so fucking fast. 
sweetie, but what whatever. you need is a whole chicken and a stick of butter. Yeah, you need the protein, <laughs> bud. Sorry about that. Well, the officer told him that he couldn't keep them, so his four honey buns were taken away. One time, another incident, he told an officer he was going to kill him and shoot his family when he got out. He even made the machine gun noises because we all know how he likes to do that. <laughs> it's like doing the air blah, gun. Blah, blah. Yeah. Bah, bah, bah. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. I, I wish it's you would have done that. <laughs> of course, he denied it and just said the CEOs were assholes and trying to be tough. And that when he gets out of jail, he's going to slap the shit out of all of them. Okay. Neary. Okay. To put it mild, he was a pain in the ass in jail. He had tattoo guns that you're not supposed to have, fishing lines, which were torn sheets and tubes of toothpaste used to pass notes, uh, fighting. He was always fighting in there, and he was constantly kicking his cell door and screaming. He was a toddler when he wanted something. He would just start kicking the door and scream, be like, give me the fucking this and fucking that, and it was always profanities. Got it. After... 10 months in jail. He had gotten 120 days in solitary. The sheriff had many deep conversations with Aaron over time. Even Shayana commented on how calm and nice he was after the conversations he had had with this sheriff. But holy balls, out of 10 months, 120 days of them were in solitary. Damn, dude. That's a big portion. <laughs> That's a good, that, that is a lot. That's dude. a large that percentage. A percentage. <laughs> By the beginning of 2014, the investigation was starting to wrap up on the double murder. All signs were being pointed to Aaron. Tanya was charged with, with the conspiracy to commit murder after the fact for Lo Odin Lloyd. Bo and Carlos had been indicted as accessories after the fact. Cheyenne had been charged with one count of perjury. She allegedly lied to Aaron's grand jury 29 times. The charges were later dropped because of her testimony during the trial. Odin's family, Sephiro's family, and Daniel's family had all filed wrongful death suits against Aaron. Alexander Bradley was still pursuing his civil suit. Evidently, he was involved in a shooting at a nightclub due to an argument. He was shot three times in the leg, but fired off 10 to 12 shots in the club from his own gun uh, once he got to the car. Hmm. Bro. He's just a shady bitch. On May 15th, 2014, Aaron was indicted for two counts of first-degree murder, three counts of armed assault with intent to murder, and one count of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. He was moved to Boston's Suffolk County uh, Jail for six months to be closer to his counsel. He didn't get in trouble at all there. Besides the fact that he needed to be closer to his counsel, it was believed that the sheriff was using Aaron for publicity. He was accused of not being a not being a jailer, but being more of an agent. He was accused of using Aaron for self-promotion. He also believed that Sheriff Hodgson had poisoned the potential jury pool. Mm -hmm. Aaron was sent back to Bristol County Jail for the rest of the Odin Lloyd trial. Aaron's trial finally began January 29th of 2015. It kept getting pushed back because of the blizzards and whatnot. Listen, folks, blizzards are coming. We're in Connecticut, Connecticut, and there where are blizzards. There's blizzards all over, and they're in in Worcester. <laughs> Worcester. <laughs> no, you gotta say it wrong. We can't try to say it right now. You just oh, have to shit. find new and words to say it wrong. Chester, uh, so what we're gonna do is push this trial back from the blizzards. 
<laughs> oh my fucking god snow to my waist there is a lot about this trial that i want to talk about but that would make the episode eight hours longer so we just got to give you the highlights guys there is a lot that um is also on the the netflix special i tried to put different things than what were in there because everybody's probably seen the netflix special by now right so i'm trying to give you shit that's not in that that i found not in Goodbye, paper. A lot of it's the same. Uh, some of it's going to be different, though. I hope. Well, here we go. You like to hit, hit, go. Shanna and DJ were sitting on one side, and Shania and Ursula were sitting on the other side with obvious tension. Aaron didn't look at Shanna when she walked in. He didn't show any emotion at all. Mm-mm. District Attorney William McCauley was leading the prosecution. Susan Garsh was the judge. These two had issues with each other from the past. Macaulay had motioned for a different judge, but his motion was denied. She also allowed for the the case to be taped for broadcast so we could all watch it. If Aaron was convicted, he would be imprisoned for life with no chance at parole because of the first-degree murder charge. Even up to this point, it seemed that Aaron thought he could get away with it. He thought that he was above the rules and the law. Did all the special treatment from the Gators and the Patriots create a monster? I say. Perhaps. Yes. My opinion is yes. If you if you let a kid get away with things repeatedly, they will continue to think that they can live without consequences and continue to act like shitheads. And this is how he was. He hadn't been taught any different. He had when he was younger, but when he was an adult, there was like no consequences. Due to the first-degree murder charge, the DA had to show that Aaron had planned to kill old Odin before. Like, it, you know, they have to show that it wasn't just right now. He used text messages from before the murder and surveillance videos to prove his case. And Aaron's attorney said that it was quite the story he had there. And he went on to say, that was quite the story. And he's like, that's all it is, is a story. Because... What we have here is a young man who's been targeted, and there was a sloppy investigation. That's my best lawyer voice. I don't think I should be a lawyer. (laughs) My opening argument sucked. This, oh, during the trial, Aaron probably received a kick in the nuts because on February 1st, the Patriots won the Super Bowl while he was in trial. Oops. He didn't even get to watch the game. Sorry. None for Gretchen Wieners. No. The sixth day of the trial, Aaron's attorney, James Sultan, was attempting to show how sloppy the investigation was. They had been rushing the investigation at the time, trying to preserve the crime scene because of a, quote, storm rolling in. Those are finger quotes. But Sultan says there wasn't a storm. That attempt failed. They were like, whatever, you have nothing right there. Because he was going on and on about this storm. Because if you've watched the the docu-series, I think that they kind of emphasize that there was a storm rolling in, so we had to hurry, 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 hurry. But from what I understand, no storm actually rolled in. Like, oh, it might funny. have looked like there was one, but nothing ever happened. Six days later, Sultan got another attempt at trying to disprove this shit. Nine-year police veteran Edward Zimmer was brought to the stand. Sultan was able to call him out for mistakes in his logbook. 
Zimmer had listed the shell casings and the towel that they found at the scene, but not the baseball cap and the blunt that were found there. They later found out that that blunt had Aaron's DNA and Odin's DNA on it. Zimmer said he only wrote down what was reported to him. Selton mm. was hoping to add a little bit of doubt to the investigation by, by pointing out his mistakes. Over the next few days, Shania Jenkins and Ursula Ward were brought to the stand. That's Odin's girlfriend and mom. The judge told them to try to control their emotions while looking at photos of Odin's dead body. Again, Ugh. yeah, because they didn't want to sway the judges either way, and they wanted they didn't want the they didn't want the investigation or they didn't want the trial to slow down so that they could have their emotions. They're like, we got a lot to do, got to keep it going, suck it up. But uh, yeah, a lot like I said, a lot of that is shown on the Netflix thing too. They, it has a lot of their testimonies from the stand. Good God. <clears throat> On February 12th, Detective Daniel Origi took the stand. He was one of the undercover cops that first talked to Aaron. His partner was not included in the witness list. There, were some, there was some info that had come back in June about some problems with the search warrant, where they got the iPads and whatnot, so that wasn't allowed as evidence either. The ruling was pretty harsh against Detective Sherman, and that is why he was left off. So now it's just Rigi. He was nervous on the stand, and Sultan felt it and fed off of it. He nailed his ass about peeking in the garage, about going into the backyard. So really, whatever nervousness was apparent, they exploited that. Well, remember the last episode? I think it was the last one we were talking about how they said they they went in the backyard to check for a forced entry. Right. But why were they, they shouldn't have been peeking into everything. Like, they kind of fucked up. They did stuff they weren't supposed to do. Well, they were both in street clothes and in an unmarked car. So how would Aaron know that they were cops? He then nailed his ass again for stopping Cheyenne and the baby after they dropped Aaron off for questioning because they had no reason to stop her. Nope. The overall implication here was that Arishi and Shervin were acting like total creeps. Jurors visit... Excuse me. Jurors visited Cheyenne's house, then the site where the body was dumped, and heard testimony of the poor jogger that found the body. The next plan of attack for the defense was to go after Detective Mike Elliott for the collection of evidence from the rental car dumpster. On Thursday, March 26th, a bomb threat was called into the courthouse. It was just a hoax, but that same day, it was revealed that Shiana would testify the next day. They still didn't have a murder weapon, and it's believed that that is because she disposed of it. Shiana had been there for most of the trial. She wasn't there the day the nanny testified. What? Oh. She just didn't show up that day? Well, it happens like that on some of those days. Mm. Well, I believe that she tried to press charges on him for that um, for that night, but I'm not sure. I just know that the police thought Aaron was just uh, was banging the babysitter, so they blew her off. That was like back when it actually, like when it happened. Right. They didn't believe her. They're like, yep, Hernandez is banging his babysitter, and she's probably pissed at him and trying to get him in trouble for something. Right. That's how it all played out when, well, when Probably it not so much now. Well, yeah, now their tune has changed, hasn't it? Well. In the courtroom, Shanna and Aaron were blowing kisses and mouthing the words, I love you to each other. That's cute. Mm. She also had her gigantic fucking engagement ring on. When she took the stand, she was completely loyal to him. 
She was only allowed to be questioned about things that she didn't get the perjury charges for. Those 29 things she lied about, can't talk about any of that. None of it. Her disadvantage was that she wasn't allowed to plead the fifth because she had been granted immunity as an accessory to murder in exchange for her testimony. So that, like, voided out her fifth amendment. She can't say, I plead the fifth. She's got to answer, which she found her fucking way around it, and you'll see in a minute. Her testimony was dramatic. (laughs) She talked about disposing of a box per Aaron's request. She also talked about seeing a gun in a junk drawer in their house and getting mad at Aaron for having it there. But when she went back to look in the drawer, it wasn't there anymore. I don't know why that story came up, but it did. She was asked if her and Shania were close as sisters. She didn't answer. There's video of this on Netflix, too. She was then asked if they were close in the past, and Shiana said, I, I mean, we're estranged, kind of. Bitch, no, you're not. You guys hung out all the fucking time. <laughs> Until now. Now you're estranged. Now you're not now close because you your boyfriend killed her boyfriend. That kind of puts a wedge in between people. <laughs> I don't know. Your face just now is perfect. <laughs> Shit gets weird. I don't know. That kind of drives a wedge in the friends. It was money. They then showed the surveillance video of them hugging from inside the house. Okay. Of them hugging the day after Odin was murdered. Shania ran out of the courtroom in tears at that point. She was like, oh, fuck this shit. Shayana was questioned about the box she disposed of. She said the box was about 40 pounds and smelled skunky. So she's trying to lead them to believe it was just some weed that he was trying to dump. They asked her if she looked in the box and she said no. She also didn't remember where she dumped it. Where she dumped it. She's like, in a dumpster. (laughs) Sorry. Her main answers, and this is how I believe she was getting around things, was things like, I can't remember, I don't recall, I'm not sure. Other phrases like that. She used those phrases more than anything else. Right. Robert Kraft was put on the stand the next day. If you remember, he's the owner of the New England Patriots. He said that Aaron told him he was innocent and that when the timeline comes out that he would be cleared because he was in a club. Wait, what? Hmm. So so they had that conversation like right after the murder. And I think that he's kind of implicated himself with that comment a little bit when the timeline comes out. How the fuck does he know what the timeline was if he didn't do it? I don't know. Alexander. I don't know, but that sounds kind of like, that sounds a little hinky, homie. Keep your fucking mouth shut. You know what? He totally set himself up. Oh, yeah. And all the things he did, the... The shell inside the car, the bubble gum inside the car, the surveillance video in the house. Like, all of the things that they got him on were his shit that he did. Like, oh my god, he could have got away with this in so many ways. But he did... Whatever. Maybe he wanted to be caught. I don't know. Alexander Bradley was the next contestant to come up to the stand. He was ruled against talking about his claim that Aaron shot him and the lawsuit that had been filed. So he was he was limited. He did, however, talk about how he sold Aaron $1,200 to $1,500 of weed on a weekly basis starting in 2010. He talked about Aaron's extreme paranoia. Bradley said he often slept in the basement at Aaron's house, and while he was there, he saw a black lockbox 
down there one time, or not one time, but he had seen a black lock box while he was there. When asked if he had seen the contents of the black box, he said yes. It had money, a gun, and weed in it. He also talked about seeing Aaron with a Glock pistol when they were in Florida. This testimony was pretty damning to Aaron's case. When <clears throat> when the end of the trial came up, Aaron's attorney knew that they had to admit that, there, that he was there because there was no way that they could get around it. But the lawyers claimed that it was Bo and Carlos that had shot him while they were on PCP. They had even brought a professor of pharmacology who talked about the behavioral effects of PCP because a witness had said that she saw them smoking it often. The closing arguments for the defense were delivered on April 7th. The trial had gone on, gone on for over two months. There were over 130 witnesses and 430 exhibits presented. Sultan went through the theories of motive after explaining that they were friends. One, Odin was rude to Bradley. Two, the, be the argument at the rumor. Three, he was afraid Odin would tell Shanae about the night with the nanny. He went on to attempt to disprove any of these motives for murder. <clears throat> he said Aaron hadn't made all of the right choices, but that he hadn't murdered Odin Lloyd. The prosecution's closing arguments were a little more savage. Macaulay talked about how Aaron, Bo, and Carlos had lounged around the swimming pool at Aaron's house, drinking smoothies, and having a grand old time just hours after Odin was murdered. He even said that if it was Carlos or Bo that had mur murdered Odin, that would they be hanging out so casually after they had killed Aaron's friend? The DA said that it was clear in all of the videos that Aaron controlled the actions of everyone around him. The jury deliberated for more than six days. Aaron was convicted of first-degree murder by extreme atrocity or cruelty. Terry and Cheyenne were sitting by each other and burst into tears at the news. I have a side thought. Yes. All of his surveillance cameras all over his house. Yes. Do you think he, um, what, do you think they ever banged all over the house? Perhaps. Do you think he went back and watched that? Probably. Because, I mean... I mean, if it was there and it's available and a dude has video of him smashing... Probably. Like, why wouldn't I would. You? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, and if you look that good naked while smashing, why wouldn't right. you? Right. And, yeah, well, if you like, look that good naked, I'd be banging all over the place. If you, like, if I take my clothes off, I look okay from certain angles and I stress okay. But, like, I, God only knows what I look like when I'm smashing and it probably looks like a couple of bloodhounds fucking. All you see is, like, foam and wrinkles and <laughs> shit just kind of like, you know what I mean? Nobody wants to see that shit. So Don't if there's video footage of me smashing, yucky. Don't think about that while you're doing it because I did that once and I was like, oh, God, stop, make it stop. Oh, oh, Help oh, me. Oh, <laughs> Baseball. <laughs> I just turned myself off. The only reaction Aaron had to this uh, guilty verdict was mouthing the word unreal. His face didn't change or anything. It just mouthed unreal. As he was let out of the courtroom, he told his mom it would be okay, and he told Shiana to stay strong. Um, here's part of Ursula's statement after the trial. I'm going to insert a clip right here. So listen to what she had to say afterwards. A cleop. Just one cleop. Tips and cleops. My baby footprint is in my heart forever. He was my strength. I love him dearly. Aaron was to serve his life sentence at MCI Cedar Junction. No case 
of Judge Garsh, Gorsh, had, had ever been overturned on appeal. While he was being transported, he said, they got it wrong. I didn't do it. So at this point, he's still completely convinced that he's going to get off on, on appeal, even though none of her cases had ever been overturned. Aaron was kept in isolation for the first week, but was relocated to Souza Baranowski Correctional Center. It was a maximum security facility in Shirley, Massachusetts. It was also crowded and violent. Yeesh. Overcrowded. Overcrowded. What were you laughing at? Minimus, Massachusetts. Minimus. So many words. Merds. All the words are funny. Aaron soon had a prison. (laughs) Aaron soon had a prison tattoo, which was actually pretty decent looking. If you look in the pictures, you'll see it because it's on his neck. And it looks, to me, it it looks pretty damn good. It says lifetime loyalty. He got in trouble for this tattoo because the guard saw it after he got it. But for the most part, he was pretty obedient at that time, minus the tattoo thing. 750 out of 1,100 inmates in this prison were confirmed gang members. Even the guards know that the only way to survive is to affiliate. It seemed like Aaron had done just that with that tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) This all happened when he was being held in the orientation unit. He was eventually moved to Gen Pop after he had written letters about how he needs to be moved and blah, 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 blah. And he finally got moved. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. I do not go. Blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. blah. (laughs) Once he was there, he went back to being a little troublemaker. His first fight was two against one, and it was possibly gang-related. He was put in isolation, and when the guards were trying to check him for his injuries, he had blocked the door. Like, nope, no, no thanks. In. They finally got the medical check complete, and he had like bruises all over, and his knuckles were all red. But then the guards went back in, and he started freaking the fuck out. He said. This place ain't shit to me. I'll run this place and keep running shit. Prison ain't shit to me. Could you imagine? Did you do it in the southern accent that you just used? Yes, because that's what they do in Connecticut. Okay. We've already established that. Yes. In Connecticut, we talk in a southern accent. Yeah. Yes. Well, he, yeah. Remember when he was in Florida? That one time when he was in Florida? Remember that one time at man camp? At football camp? At football camp. When we were talking like we was from Florida, Georgia state line. (laughs) I think I'm going to start working on my, my New England accent. Sweet. I, it's going to be a shit show. Between May 2015 and October of 2016, he had gotten about a dozen disciplinary offenses. I don't think he ate those, though. This included fistfights, smoking, prison tattoos, and the possession of a sharpened six-inch metal shiv. Aaron eventually got a new bunkmate named Kyle Kennedy. He was believed to be Aaron's lover in prison. Actually, not believed to be. Well, I guess believed to be. That's what Kyle says in interviews is that they were. They were. Touching penises. Yeah, they were. They were (laughs) (laughs) blowjobbing. They were finger popping each other's assholes. Finally, finally, we have a place. I know. Aaron Aaron Hernandez was popping Kyle Kennedy's asshole. Shayana had changed her last name from Jenkins. Oh, her last name to Jenkins Hernandez, even though they hadn't gotten married. 
Alexander Bradley was sentenced to five years in prison on January 9th, 2017 for his role in the club shooting. He was given immunity from the double murder for his testimony against Aaron. You fucking tattletale snitching motherfucker. He really is. I don't like that guy. Snitch, you quit fucking snitching. Snitches get shot in the fucking eye. <laughs> quit <laughs> quit fucking snitching. This is what I tell my kids all the time. Is somebody in trouble? Is anybody bleeding? From a fucking eyeball. No? Then stop fucking snitching. I know. I don't need it. Your fucking tattletales. Use your words and figure it the fuck out. Go. Go sort yourself. Take your finger out of your ass. Sort yourself out. (laughs) End of the laneway. Don't come up to the property. You fucking snitch. Aaron's double murder trial was coming up. He hired Jose Baez. Mention the book. I would like for you to mention the book now. Okay. The book was all about the second trial that Jose Baez, if you don't remember from the last times that I have mentioned it, he's the <laughs> some bitch that got Casey Anthony off. Yes. Some bitch. He's a some bitchy some bitch. He's the some bitch. Uh so this whole book, I didn't put a whole lot from the book because I don't I didn't I didn't want to go step by step about the trial, about the double murder, about 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 I didn't want to step-by-step this trial, so it got a little bit left out. If you want to check out the book, it's called Unnecessary Roughness, Inside the Trial and Final Final Days of Aaron Hernandez. It's a good book. Shania helped him with a lot of it in there. She gave him information. Good book. I'm not going to go that deep into the trial. Fair enough. Well... In the trial, Bradley admitted that he was a drug dealer. He talked about how he didn't turn Aaron in because he wanted revenge. Bradley was on the stand for three days total. However, a text that Bradley sent to his attorney may have hurt him pretty badly. It said, Now you sure, once I withdraw this lawsuit, I won't be held on perjury after I tell the truth about me not recalling anything on who shot me? Don't text that shit, you dumb son bitch. Well, because he doesn't, I don't believe he knows if Aaron shot him or not. Well, and also, but shouldn't that be part of your client confidentiality? I don't know. I don't know. Like, whether that. it's, whether you say it in person, write it down, or, like, send it in a text, that should be part of your client confidentiality. Yeah, and I don't know how it got out. I don't know. Shanna, Brooke Wilcox, and many others were put on the stand. Baez argued that there was no physical way that Aaron could have shot from the SUV and killed both the driver and the passenger from where he was supposedly sitting. There's like pictures and everything in there. On April 14th, he was found not guilty of double murder. This was the first time he showed emotion. He closed his eyes and nodded his head, took a big deep breath as they were reading the verdict. He was found guilty for illegal possession of a firearm. The appeal that he was hoping for in the Odin Lloyd trial would not be worth it if he got convicted of the murders. For the following days... After the trial, he spent a lot of time on the phone. He spent every second of it talking to Shayana. Other inmates said that he was talking about going back into the NFL. On April 18th, after he was shut into a cell for the night, he wrote some letters. He jammed the door with cardboard. He opened his Bible to the book of John, and he wrote John 3.16 in red ink on his forehead. He cut his right middle finger and wrote John 3.16 on the wall in his own blood and a pyramid-like... The, the one on the back of the dollar bill with the word Illuminati under it. The letters he wrote were by his Bible. He made marks in blood on both of his feet, got naked, and poured several bottles of shampoo on the floor. He tied one 
<clears throat> excuse me, he tied one side of the sheet to the window, draped it over the crossbar, and used it to hang himself just after 1 a.m. on the 19th. By the time the guards had gotten to him, he had already gone cold. So I'm going to read a little bit of those letters that he had left. <clears throat> says, Jose, what up, brother? Well, I just wrote this letter following my acquittal and I wanted to voice how I felt and let some people whose music helped me get through a hard time know that it did, right or wrong, who knows. I just follow my natural instincts and how it guides me. Pros or cons, didn't weigh them, but I'm sure you'll let me know your view. Besides that, I wanted you to have me forever, like you never... Like you never understood, and time will reveal that I'm not perfect, but my love and loyalty is, is like you've never seen. I appreciate all your work, time, effort, and never let that slip your mind. In time, you will see how appreciated you are, as well as all the others equally. But you'll never forget, I will whoop your ass if you get too crazy. And it's got a little face that he drew. And then it says, ha ha. But we could grab a drink after, LOL. All jokes aside, I hope your son is well and all your loved ones. I need a favor. If you have any contacts for any artists like Gates, Meek Mill, Russ... Russ or Ross, I can't tell. It's his handwriting. J, game, etc. I would like to send you letters so you can send <laughs> send to their information or whichever way you think is best or, or send their information. I don't want any media really getting into me trying to just lend my love. I don't know. I'm trying to just lend my love to all the artists who got me through the through my tough times. And sending my respect for a few of the real ones out there. So, oh, I think that's the best idea, though. You, oh, the best idea through you. It's something that I have to do, and I appreciate if you could do that for me, if possible. If not, I'll figure something else out. Well, get at me. Love your brother. This is right before he died. I know, and that's it's so weird because he's... The, the letters that he's writing are almost like, like he didn't intend to kill himself. Like he was, he wasn't saying goodbye. Uh-uh. Not, I don't know. And just to point out too, like his text messages were so hard to read to that, to Alexander Bradley. And even though I can't read some, read some of his handwriting, that's the problem that I was having here. His handwriting is actually beautiful and he does write, he has good punctuation. He... Um, capitalizes. He's got good handwriting. You know, it's that goes back to that be who he needs to be when he needs to be. And the next one is the the letter that he left for his daughter. It says, Avi, you are the most beautiful girl ever born and you're an angel. Love everyone as yourself and know I'm always with you. I love you so much, but I'm smiling because I know I I know I'm now with you every second of every day. All my loved ones, I love you. DJ Ma Parker, Avi, her, oh, all Hernandez's, my all my family. Not much time in being. I'm being called. John three sixteen. So that one does. That one kind of is a goodbye letter. 
But he wrote it to her, but kind of addressed other people in it. I don't know. Um, in in Shayana's letter at the end, it says something like, "Oh, you're rich," because. But he thought that if he died before he had been completely convicted that his wife would, or girlfriend, whatever, girlfriend and daughter would still get all that money that he was supposed to get from the NFL. And I really don't think that has been completely solved at this point. But he thought, he heard, somebody told him that if you die during an appeal or, you know, where the point that he was at in his case, <clears throat> that he could that she would be able to get all that money because he wasn't completely convicted. So that could be a motive for the murder or for the, for the suicide. But I, I, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think that was the whole, I don't know intentions of his, but he left this whole list of all of those, all of those artists that he wanted to, that he wanted him to reach out to so he could write letters to him but he can't write letters to him because he's dead now so i wonder which letter he wrote first it was the one to the daughter anyway i'm going to read shayana's forward she wrote the forward to the unnecessary roughness book Mm -hmm. it's about aaron's brain says, when I signed the papers giving Aaron's brain to the Boston University Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy Center, the CTE Center, it was a decision I made as his fiance along with Aaron's defense team. If I could potentially help someone else, why not do it? Also, I wanted answers. I wanted to know why my fiance died just when there was a ho- when there was hope he might someday come home. There's still a ton of answers I want, but this is a start. This may sound weird to say, but say about someone you love, but I feel like CTE researchers hit the jackpot when they got Aaron's brain. Of course, the news that he had stage three CTE, how severe it was, and that he had the brain of someone much older was devastating for us to hear. But if examining the condition of his brain can help others, especially football players, Aaron would be pleased. It's like he's back on a team again. I have loved Aaron Hernandez since we were in high school. I will love him until the day I die. I miss his smile every day, and I miss seeing him be a father to our daughter. My prayer is that he is finally at peace, free of chains, bars, courtrooms, and judgment. I cried when Jose Baez... And his law partner, Ron Sullivan, told me the news that Aaron had suffered such a severe case of CTE. After all, we had been through <clears throat> after all we had been through, his arrest, his trials, and his death, it was still devastating news. I cried because I realized I had tried to help him for so long, but there was nothing I could have done. I cried because there was no there was a battle going on within his brain. That he didn't even know. None of us did. There's a lot more about it. Like pages and upon pages that I'm not going to read. But I wanted to read that part about his brain. Because like she said, it was a stage 3 CTE, which is really severe. His brain was totally mangled. And in DJ's book, he talked about how... After they got all the results back and everything, they said that within 10 years, 
he would have no memory. His brain would have been done. So by the time he was 33, he wouldn't, he wouldn't really be anything. His brain would have, his brain was just mush. He was done. Fuck. Yeah. Um, I had something. Oh, Aaron, not Aaron. DJ found out that his brother died when he went to work. Oh. Yeah, and he heard they heard it on the news. Like his whole family had to find out that he had died on the news. And in in DJ's book, he goes more into how what they did when they found out that he had died, but but like I say, that's a lot of that is stuff I want to add in, but it would take it would take forever to add in everything that I want to add in. So I wanted to ask you, okay, what do you think? A, do you think he murdered Odin? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't either. I think that, I, I really don't think he did. I think that he was probably in the know. He was there. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he was aware that it was going to happen. He was present, but I don't think he pulled the trigger. I don't either. Okay. I was going to ask for um, motives if if you did think he did do it. Because the only motive I could think of is... Like, he took the, the... Is that he saw too much, maybe? I don't know. Perhaps. But where... So, I, I want to go back to talking about CTE. So, his his chronic trauma, encephaly, whatever Encephalopathy. the Encephalopathy. Yes. Maybe. So, the know. dude's brain was mush. Mm-hmm. Obviously, shit was going south for him. He decided to cut open his finger on his last night before he hung himself. Write a bunch of crazy shit. Talk about the Illuminati. Put fucking shampoo on the floor. Rub his nipples in a counterclockwise... You know what I mean? Like a bunch of shit that well, didn't make fucking sense. Like the blood spots on his feet that are supposed to be like stigmata. Nail holes? Yeah. N- nail stigmata? Holes. Yeah. So like at the end of the day, there were probably a lot of things that he did that wouldn't have made sense. Mm-mm. Anyways, so like even if he had pulled the trigger, which I don't think he did, but if he did, there could have been a moment where he thought that he saw something or that Odin was responsible for something or, but this guy, I mean, Aaron wasn't making wise cognitive decisions for himself. What so fucking ever? Mm -mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I really don't think it was him. I think it was Bo and Carlos. They, so do I. I think they think he saw too much. And they were like, sorry, we got to get rid of your boy. So yeah. let's go pick him up and, yeah. and do the damn thing because he's seen too much. Well, and at this point, you know, I'm going to be who I have to be with the people that I'm with. Okay. Okie dokie. Yep. All right. All right. Let's do Sounds this. Good. Fuck. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. So what about the sexuality thing? I kind of wanted to talk about it because the Netflix special said the Netflix special over. I think they overdid it on his sexuality. They wanted to point it all at sexuality. And I don't. I you know what? Here's the deal. I don't think that had anything to do with it. I think that that was just sensationalized for TV. If he liked both men and women in his company sexually, so fucking what? What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? And he's not the only person. Coronavirus. Yeah, (laughs) coronavirus. He's not the only one like that. No. I get why he would want to hide it. If he likes to, he liked to give blowjobs is what they kind of made it sound like. So what okay, I me get, too. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. I get that they have to, they need to hide that. Where he was at, 
It was not a place to let it out. In the NFL, it wasn't really the right... I, I really just think that the whole sexuality thing was really exploited mm-hmm. for entertainment value. I do, too. I think it's stupid. I just got a If you like boys, quote. if you like men, great. If you like women, great. Yeah. End of story. Right. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think the, the sexuality problem. was as much as they, I think that he liked to get laid by a dude sometimes, but he was, you know, he liked women because he, he was banging other women too all the time. They just, they didn't talk about that. It, so what? So what? Yeah. Like, if you, I, I kind of feel like if you like to fuck, you like to fuck. And sometimes with with a guy, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's with a manatee, sometimes it's not. Like, oh fucking well. Yeah, fuck who you want to fuck. Fuck who's available that you wants to fuck. But I don't I, really I, care. I'm more along the lines of like, bro, you were in a committed relationship. You're not supposed to do that. It was the cheating that more got <laughs> right? me like, than the I don't give a shit dudes. if it was yeah. like him, her, or otherwise. Like you, you cheated, and that's fucking. Yeah, don't that's cheat. morally bankrupt. I don't give a shit if it was if it was in a butthole or a vagina opening either way or a mouth or a meowth it didn't belong to your girlfriend or your fiance and that's wrong <laughs> and she because she has all of those holes that you could have utilized all those things <laughs> i mean and if you really needed to blow jobbins then let her put a strap on on i'm sure she would have moaned to make it feel better for you i don't know i don't know but the, the point being i don't give a fuck if he was banging dudes or chicks i really was more along the lines of like don't cheat on your chick yeah i think that i think that all got over exaggerated yeah. in, in it was, that way. It was an unnecessary dive uh-huh. into that that for me. Anyway. Well, Shayana, I wanted to talk a little bit about her. She is now 30 years old. She talked about the docuseries on an ABC News interview in January of 2020. The January of coronavirus. She, <laughs> that's what this year is called. It's not 2020 anymore. Nope. It's coronavirus. It is, it's the year of World War Three. Australia didn't burn completely. Coronavirus. Oh my God, for real. I, I told Calvin, side note real quick. I told Calvin this morning, I was like, World War III was coming up. And God was like, children, stop fighting. Here's the coronavirus so you can <laughs> deal with yourselves. Sort your fucking self out. <laughs> Worry about yourself. You know what I'm, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you didn't want World War III. So you burned, you burned 90% of Australia and then you gave us the coronavirus. And now we're fighting over fucking toilet tissue. Right. Except I'm way above that. Like, I know that we talked about this the other day. Motherfuckers, I own about 40 t-shirts I don't wear, and I subsequently have chopped up a few. Put a laundry basket in front of my toilet, fashioned a makeshift bidet, and I have a washer and dryer and I have plenty of laundry soap. I am not fighting motherfuckers for toilet tissue. I will will get in the shower, take a two-minute shower, scrub my asshole, or I will use a t-shirt and do a load of laundry. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Keep your toilet tissue, you weird sons of bitches. Yeah, I'm not fighting over shit i'm sure i can overcome whatever i'll fight you for contact solution <laughs> right it's like that kind of toothpaste fuck or laundry soap if i get low on laundry yeah, soap shit's gonna, gonna get real yeah i well so but then can't we just have Kristen teach us how to make oh yeah like I our own shit to... with like we borax we do it yeah we do it with like meth heads and like add fucking sudafed and some shit and some like rubbing alcohol and then we have laundry soap i should do that I should make it. She told me how to make it. I should do it. Kristen! Kristen, we need you to teach us. Teach me how to blend my eyeshadow better and also laundry soap. Right? Uh, we, we'd like lessons on both. Anyway, <clears throat> she still thinks that he is innocent. 
she thinks his sexuality, because they asked her if there's anything about the docuseries, because this came out, this interview came out right after the docuseries came out, and they okay. wanted to ask her how she felt about it. Right. And they asked if there was anything that they thought that should be removed, and she thinks that it, the sexuality should not have been discussed on the docuseries. She's Why like, would it I don't, been? yeah, and she was like, if he was bisexual, I wish he could have told me. I wish that he would have felt safe telling me, right. and I wish that he would have known that I would love him no matter what, which Aww. I really believe that about her. She really stuck by him through so much well, why, bullshit. But, 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 but I'll just keep my mouth shut because you know what? Open relationships work for people. And that's what they came to that agreement of too. Cause she, you know, she didn't want to be without him, but she knew he was going to cheat. So it was either let him fuck other people or be without him. That was where they came that's, that was the conclusion. That was the conclusion. So I don't think she cared if he was fucking a dude or a chick. I, I honestly believe so that. Saying, I guess if that if that sort of relationship is what you guys agree to, and as long as you're being safe so that you're not, like, giving stuff to each other, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And by all means, consenting adults go crazy. Go fuck. Go bang. Well, they asked her if she, if, if Netflix... Or whoever did it, whoever did the docuseries. Right. And asked her if she wanted to be involved, and she said yes, they did. And they uh, told her they would compensate her to participate. And she she declined. declined. She didn't want to do it. She was like, no, I'm good. Well, little Aviel is eight years old now. And her mom. without a dad. Yeah. How fucking sad. I think that... um, I read somewhere, and I couldn't find it again today, but I read somewhere that Shayana's married to a baseball player in New York, possibly. Don't quote me on all of that. But she was talking on the interview, too, about how she wanted her daughter to remember the good things and to be able to form her own opinion about her her dad. Which sucks, because he got locked up when she was, like, six months old. Yeah, I mean, she's not gonna really remember a lot, if anything, at all. No, and it sounds like when he was present, he was a good dad to her. But you he know was what? busy I, out you know what? partying and, and, and doing and shit. And don't judge me when I say this. It's probably all for the best that he actually is dead now. Because if he was going to be completely brainless and not have um, the ability to remember things or recall things or anything like that in 10 years' time, could you imagine how incredibly difficult that would be to be a teenager whose dad couldn't remember, like, your accomplishments, your middle name, like... You know what I mean? Like, was alive, but basically an amoeba and... But 30-something years old. Yeah. Like, that would be pretty fucking soul-crushing for a kid to have their parent present. And I'm sure that there are people with parents present. I have a parent present that doesn't remember fuck Mm -hmm. all of nothing. And it is fucking hard. But, like, I think it would be exponentially difficult as a teenager growing up when you're like, Look, Dad, my first you know, honor roll or my first, like, look, check it out. It's my trophy from the spelling bee. And your dad's just like, yeah. Yeah. This got, I got, some things are definitely better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes dead is better. That's what I said about my own dad. Like right now with all this shit going on, my dad had COPD and was on fucking oxygen and was in very bad shape. And not only that, like, I can't even imagine, like, my father who needed supplies for his CPAP and toilet tissue and, like, all these other things, like, having to fight the crowds and potentially contract him. this shit. Like, at this particular, like, at this particular juncture in my life, I'm actually glad that my father is dead. 
Yeah, because you don't want him to have to go Fuck through Fuck no, all of dude. This. Sometimes that is better. Yeah. Well, with this <laughs> this whole Aaron Hernandez thing, I went really deep into it, and I hope I didn't miss stuff. When I'm editing, I'm going to be like, oh, shit, I should have put that in there because it was so drug, it was so drug out because there was so much shit that went on Well, then maybe the we should do a revisit. That's what I was thinking. I might do a, a revisit of anything that I missed because right. there was there was so much. And this last week with the Corona scare, it kind of fucked with my writing of it just a little bit. It's been a lot, you guys. <laughs> it really has. So hopefully I didn't miss anything. I really loved doing this whole series because football is my thing. And there's so much why in this. There's so There's still so much mystery with it all. But my conclusion is his brain. He didn't really know what he was doing. He had bad friends. He was in a gang. So. I think he had people that realize. I, okay, I'm not saying that the that the idiots and assholes that he hung out with are clever enough or knew enough about his brain, but maybe have picked up on things like, holy shit, he doesn't remember what we did last night, and took advantage of that. Like exploited the fact that his short term memory was becoming like worse like if they picked up on that and they knew like he had money he had the attitude he had all these components for them to like do and say and be you know what i mean yeah i don't know Ooh. what there's another there was a part that (laughs) there's this thing and i i don't think it's in that conversation that i the clip that we put in uh he's talking to his mom and his mom is bitching at him from prison or he's in, he's in jail and she's yelling at him and she's like if you would have just given me one million I would have been set for life and they're arguing about it and that's like she's pissed off because he didn't give her a million dollars well he didn't play long enough to get all of that money that he got promised you know what I mean he got the sign on bonus for well I guess he did get that eight million dollar sign on bonus or whatever the hell that was when he re-upped his contract and that's uh, a million of it she wanted a million of it. She's like, it would have set me for life. And mm. I think that's what he ended up using for attorneys and blah, 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 because he bought a house and did all those things. But that's sad when he's sitting there fighting with his mom about money while he's in jail. Right? Bitch, take several seats. You know what? But in the meantime, keep your brain safe. And uh, stay, stay out, out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye. Also... Wash your fucking hands, cough into your elbow, and don't shake hands. Stay home. Stay home. There is a a really archaic law in the state of Massachusetts called the abatement that if, in fact, you die while a murder case is under appeal, which was the case here, that if you die, that means you can't participate in the appeal, and therefore the conviction would be erased from the record.